I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 103. And welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I fancy this week's song by Stars Go Dim because lately I can use the reminder from my father. Michelle, you are loved. Sweet listener, you are loved. Such a simple message, but pervasive throughout the entire Bible. You are loved. So you might be thinking, how do I know I'm loved by God? You know, you might see it on a, on like a Facebook post or listen to my podcast and say, you're loved, you're loved. But how do you know? Well, because the most popular verse of all time tells you that God loves you and he proved it with the greatest sacrifice of all time. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world. That's you. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So there's an interesting story about John 3.16 and Tim Tebow. Now, Tim Tebow is a Christian who's been very bold about his faith in the most humble of ways. But in the 2009 NCAA football championship Tim was quarterback for the Florida Gators, and he wore the Bible verse John 3.16 painted on his eye blacks, those black um, ovals underneath uh, his eyes. And he'd always worn Philippians 4.13, but he felt led by the Holy Spirit on that particular game to mix it up. And I did read that his coach kind of freaked out, like, we made it this far with with Philippians 4.13. Why are you going to change it now? You know, it's a good verse. The the other one's a good verse too. But anyway, he felt led by the Holy Spirit to change it to John 3.16. And on that day, John 3.16 was the most Googled item of the day. 92 million hits. Just let that sink in for a second. So three years later to the day, January 8th, 2012, as quarterback for the Denver Broncos, Tebow finished the game with 316 yards. His per throw average for that game was 31.6. His Sunday uh, yards, his Sunday's overtime TV rating was 31.6. 
The possession of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was their opponent that day, was 31 minutes, 6 seconds. I'm not kidding. You cannot make this up. I read several articles online, some from Christian organizations and some one from ESPN saying, this is so eerie, you know. Uh, But all of that fueled this viral buzz that resulted in more than 104 million searches for John 316 on Google in less than a 0.11 second time span. Crazy. So I'm not sure if God is a football fan, but I do know that he's a humanity fan. And my friend, he wanted over 100 million people to know they are loved. And he did it through the testimony of a faithful servant in the blink of an eye. Now, last week we saw Ezekiel declare that God was sovereign. The title that he used for God was sovereign. And he is. He's sovereign over football yards, times of possession, and everything else. But it's all for his glory and our best good. So let's not be lazy drive-by Christians. Let's use this song and this, this powerful verse to jump in and take a bite out of Scripture. Now, I use the acronym B-I-T-E, bite, to stand for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. And these tools must actually put into, be put into practice. That's the word exercise. So you got to try it. You got to do it. But my prayer is that you will use them so often that they will become just a natural way for you to interact with God's word, that you're going to do it without even thinking about it. And this week we're going to use two. The first one is reading in context. And the second one is cross references. Okay. So if reading in context is a bite, then a single verse is just a crumb. But think of crumbs as a lure to deeper understanding, richer and more fulfilling nutrients. Okay, so the kind, the nutrients that can sustain you, not just satisfy your taste buds. So sometimes a verse will just kind of satisfy our taste buds, but it's not bringing us into that deeper understanding. So I'm going to quiz you uh, a bit on the context of this verse. So even if you know the answers, it's okay. It's always good to stay in God's word, read it again, soak it up. But anyway, here we go. So who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son? Who said that? If you said Jesus, you're right. Red letters, baby. Gold star for you. Now, who did Jesus say this to? Who is Jesus talking to when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son? Did you say Nicodemus? Bonus points for you. And if you didn't know, it's okay. Okay, it's not really a graded test, but it is an opportunity to go exploring. So I don't want you to feel any kind of condemnation like, oh, I don't know this. I'll never understand all of this. No, just say, oh, I didn't know that. Let's go figure out who that is. And then maybe next time I'll remember it. There's just always something new to learn. There's always something new to retain. Okay, so to read in context of our verse, 
All we have to do is go up to the beginning of the chapter. Now, sometimes to get a good context, you have to read the chapter before, the chapter after, and you might consider doing that just to see where Jesus was up until this point and this conversation. And really, if you read uh, the Gospels in their whole, you'll get a real understanding of this group that Nicodemus was a member of, and you'll begin to see kind of the importance of what of of Nicodemus coming to Jesus. But let's start in verses one through three. We'll just kind of stay within this chapter for our context today. Now it says there was a, a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So if Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a member of the ruling council, what that means is, number one, he was a very highly educated man, very knowledgeable in the law. So there were two distinct religious groups as it related to uh, the is the Hebrew people and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were kind of the bigwigs, the religious bigwigs, and they were very knowledgeable. I mean, to be a ruling leader on the ruling council, they literally memorized the five first five books of the Old Testament word for word. They know the law in and out, and they are the ones that kind of tell the people how to live it out. So they're the teachers. And so he was very knowledgeable. So we know that. And we know, number two, that his best friends, they hated Jesus. <laughs> so I think that he really would need to come uh, to Jesus under cover of night so as not to be found out. You know, obviously it was worth it to him to try to come and talk to Jesus. Now, last week we pondered Ezekiel's use of God's title of sovereign. And this week we see Nicodemus called Jesus rabbi, which means teacher. Now, this is a title of honor. So this is basically him saying, you are a teacher. I recognize you as a valid teacher of the law. This title given by this ruling council Pharisee member uh, is giving him credit or giving him credibility as a teacher that teaches rightly. So, uh, you know, everyone else in his circle, in Nicodemus's circle, you know, considered Jesus a fraud and not just a fraud, but blasphemous and from the devil. So I'm pretty sure they're not going to call him rabbi because that would give him credibility where they felt like he was a fraud. So I think it's interesting. And then, uh, I also find it interesting that Nicodemus is confessing that Jesus must be from God. I'm thinking maybe it might be a little like you're from God, right? And so, but Jesus didn't say, yes, Nicodemus, I'm from God. He, instead he throws out something seemingly random or is it, you know, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. They're blind to it. So Nicodemus takes the bite. He, he goes on in verse four to say, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So Nicodemus is 
a little thrown by the statement, not really understanding, but also not dismissing him, just really engaging him in a conversation. But Jesus doubles down in verse five. He answers, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So now Jesus is saying here that not only can you not see the kingdom of God, but you can't enter it either. Of course, you can't enter it if you can't see it. But he uses two different words. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So even for this super spiritual, uber religious person of high standing, he couldn't see or enter the kingdom even with all of his knowledge. And so I really want to, you know, I know I want you guys to read your Bible for yourselves. I want you to gain knowledge and wisdom and understanding. But if you're not born again, all the knowledge of scripture, you could have answered Jesus, Nicodemus, gold star, I passed the test. But all of that knowledge is not going to do anything for you in eternity if you're not born again. So spiritually, Nicodemus is unborn. And he needs to be born again. He needs to be born of the spirit. He's born of the flesh. And now he needs to be born of the spirit. John Piper in a sermon on this topic, I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, You can find those at michellekneesat.com forward slash 103. He says this, what happens in new birth is not merely affirming the supernatural in Jesus, but experiencing the supernatural in yourself. Let me read that again. It's not merely a new birth is not merely affirming the supernatural in Jesus. It's not like what Nicodemus said. You're from God, right? I mean, you couldn't do these things if you weren't from God. Jesus is from God. It's not just affirming the supernatural in Jesus, but experiencing the supernatural in yourself. I love that. You know, you see, seeing signs, being experienced, experiencing um Miracles at your church, God's powerful moving, seeing all that around you, that does not save you. Being in the room is not what saves you. Now, Nicodemus could see that Jesus was from God, but he still had yet to be spiritually born. We all must be born again, this time not of flesh, but of the Spirit of God. So verse 9, Nicodemus asks what you might be asking. Well, how can this be? And then verse 10, here's Jesus. Ooh. It hurts just to, I'm kind of wiggling in my chair. It hurts just to to read it. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Oh, snap. Okay, so all the training and all of the teaching and understanding, none of that has prepared Nicodemus for what Jesus was trying to say to him. 
You know, there are things far above Nicodemus's understanding, and part of his problem was his unwillingness to accept the testimony of Christ, the words of Christ. I'm sure he wants it all explained in this nice little package. And I think sometimes even as as you read the word, I, I, I kind of fall into this trap too. God, I just don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Oh, shut the book and move on. But but Nicodemus wants it in this nice little package where he could understand it. And, and Jesus is saying, you know, it's like the wind. You can't explain it, but it's real nonetheless. So are you fighting against the words of the Lord? Do you wish they would say different things? Do you hold on to some doctrinal beliefs maybe that were taught to you, but are clearly debunked by your own study of scripture? Don't be like Nicodemus. Don't have God say to you, I can't take you any further. You just don't get it. You can't go deeper, child of mine, because you won't accept the simple things, the earthly things. How will you believe the heavenly things? So this next part kind of always confused me, but the more I've studied it this week, the more excited I'm getting. So I hope I can do it justice. But Jesus goes on to say, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. Now, this is our second Bible interaction tool exercise. We're going to follow the cross reference. Jesus is obviously talking about something that happened in the Old Testament. And so you can look at your footnotes in your Bible. Sometimes there's side notes um, that, that might tell you where that cross reference is. If you don't have a Bible with cross references, you can use an online Bible tool like biblehub.com, and you can find the cross-reference there. This time, the cross-reference leads us to Numbers 21. The story is a short one, so I'm going to go ahead and read it so we can talk about it. Uh, Numbers 21, verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. Now, this is Moses and the people of Israel. They have left Egypt and... um, and, and they're, they're wandering. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. I'm thinking they're talking about the manna from heaven that God is using to sustain them. So part of me just th- is thinking, God must be thinking, what in the world? What, what else can I do for you? So verse six, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned. When we spoke against the Lord and against you, we sinned. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked up at the bronze snake, they lived. So Jesus is picking an analogy that Nicodemus would be familiar with. Remember, I told you he's had he this is memorized. This is in his mind. He knows the story. But who knew that this was a foreshadowing of Christ? I mean, there's so many foreshadowing uh, of the Messiah in the Old Testament. I'm not sure I would have picked out a snake on a pole as a foreshadowing, but Jesus did. So obviously it was. So what do we see? Well, the snake is put up on a pole, just like Jesus was lifted up on the cross. The snake on the pole was the source of healing, just like Jesus is the source for our healing 
and is the rescue from the curse of sin. Now, the snake was a curse. Uh, so the snake itself was a curse. Then they fashioned one and raised it up to heal the curse. So you're saying that Jesus was a curse? Well, Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So in becoming like the snake, he was the embodiment of our sin and the embodiment of our curse. And in becoming sin and curse for us, he took our sins away and he took our curse away. Now, to what end? So if we will just look up. If we will look up and believe in Jesus and obtain eternal life, if we will be born again, if we will receive it, this new life. Just look up. But why? Because you are loved. Just look up for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life but Michelle I can't look up you don't know what all that I've done You, you don't know the depths of my sin I need to clean up and then I can look up no you are bitten and you cannot be free from the curse until you look up just look up For God, in verse 17 of chapter 3, John chapter 3, right after it says God loved the world, so loved the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He doesn't condemn you. He came to save you. No, no, I'm not good enough. I won't look up. I won't believe. Okay, have it your way. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You see, he did not come to condemn you, but you condemn yourself by your own unbelief. Do you think there were some who were bitten by the snake that refused to look up because they thought it was stupid or silly or too easy of a solution to just look up? Don't be stupid. Don't be silly. Don't, don't, don't wait. Just look up. Now, Jesus ends this conversation with Nicodemus in verse 19. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, Jesus was really challenging Nicodemus here and he's challenging you. Do you love darkness because your deeds are evil? Come into the light. Just look up. You are loved. He didn't come to condemn you, but you must believe. I hope you never listen to this song the same again. I know I don't. I know I'm loved and I can point to where to prove it. You know, every time the lyric says, just look up, I think of that bronze snake on the pole and Jesus on the cross. I'll remember that God loves me and wants to save me. But if I keep my head down and cling to my own evil deeds instead of allowing the light to shine, then I'm condemned already. My own unbelief condemns me. 
by the way, I had to chase down another cross-reference that I noticed. And in, in 2 Kings chapter 18, a 25-year-old king of Judah who is described as doing right in the eyes of the Lord, he had to tear down some high places and pillars that were used in idol worship. And in verse 4, he says, And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had been making offerings to it. I say it every week if I have to. The Christian music that you're listening to is amazing. It's uplifting. It's inspiring. It's comforting. And it is based on the word of God. And it is designed to teach you, to, to draw you into God's word. But it cannot replace it. Do not worship the idol of music. Let it inspire you. Let it, let it inspire you to spend time where you can truly be changed, where you can truly be nourished, not just crumbs. The crumbs can lead you to it. These are the, the lyrics can lead you. These are the crumbs leading you to the, to the meat. Uh, so let that music inspire you to read God's word for yourself. So what's next? Well, I challenge you to become so familiar with John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, that you can tell it by heart to others. Read this entire encounter with Nicodemus in context. Track down those cross-references I mentioned and look up because you are loved. While you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter or Facebook and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Emily from Minnesota, LaToya from Bermuda, Socorro from California, Amy from Minnesota, Tiffany from Texas, Sue from Washington, Kenny from, or Carrie from somewhere in the United States, Jerome from Saudi Arabia, he and I have been emailing back and forth this week, Baptista and Chris from somewhere in the U.S., Mandy from Georgia, and Lisa from Washington. They are my newest subscribers to my website. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week, and in that email, you'll get a memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, or desktop, or you can print it out and place it um, on your mirror in your bathroom or in your car or someplace that you're going to see it every day on your computer screen at work. You can get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create from time to time for my episodes. All of that is just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com and subscribe today. Now, don't miss an episode of my podcast uh, by subscribing in iTunes. And while you're there, if you would leave me a written review and star rating, this really encourages me. It also helps me stay visible to new listeners and just gives me some credibility. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Move, Keep Walking by Toby Mac to jump into scripture. Now, if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 103. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.